After you listen to today's podcast, here's one to add to your playlist. I'm Christian O'Connell, and I've had this thought for a while. What if you took the world's funniest and most interesting people... Hello, I'm Ricky Gervais. I'm Celeste Barber. Some people call me Beyonce. I'm Russell Brand. ...and asked them to share the stories behind their three most treasured items. No doubt about it, the guitar. I think I know the same chords now as I did when I was 14. From iHeartRadio, this is The Stuff of Legends. Add it to your playlist for free. Just search for Stuff of Legends in your podcast app. What's up? I am Machine Gun Kelly, and look, I know Halloween is going to suck this year because there's no trick-or-treating and all that, but I've got a treat. There's a musical podcast that I made with my friends 24K Golden, Ian Dior, and Dana Dentata, and Satan. Well, Satan's not my friend, but Tommy Lee is, and Tommy Lee is playing Satan. But don't just take it from me. Tell him, Satan. Thanks, dude. It feels great to be playing Satan on this podcast. Listen to Halloween in Hell on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or whatever you get your podcasts on. For the week of March 26, 2020, the COVID-19 crisis remains stuck in high gear. The 2020 campaign season is now stuck in neutral. And like the rest of the country, Politicon is stuck inside. We're podcasting from Los Angeles, New York City, Nashville, and Raleigh. Wondering if we're ever going to get out of quarantine, how the American economy is going to survive, and how the heck are we going to get along? Hey, I'm Clay Aiken, and we are for the second week in a row without our normal live audience this week, but we are still going to be putting your questions uh, to our panel uh, to, I think, what each week is the best panel you're going to find on any political podcast, and this week is certainly no exception. We have some media world heavy hitters as our guests this week, journalist, commentator, author, and anchor of the weeknight newscast for RT America, Scotty Nell Hughes is with us, lead anchor and producer of The Young Turks and co-founder of Justice Democrats. Jenk Uger is with us, author, podcaster, expert on all things pop culture and politics, and the host of the Torre Show, Torre himself, and actor, comedian, Time Magazine contributor, and host of the Jim Norton and Sam Roberts Show on Sirius XM Radio. Jim Norton is with us this week. So, uh, some some fiery, exciting, and opinionated guests this week, and it is a week where uh, we're all still sort of. I don't want to use the word suffering, but we're learning to deal with this self-isolation, this social distancing, and this quarantine. But, you know, last week we talked about this on, on the podcast with our panel, and it was interesting because we were sort of in the early stages of things, and the panel really seemed to do to go out of their way almost last week to try to find a way to agree, a way to empathize with everyone in the country and to sort of leave politics out of it. But I got to believe that we've potentially hit a wall on that maybe this week with the Senate having trouble passing um, the third phase of the stimulus package. And so, Jenk, I'll start with you. Are we, is politics politics a part of this now? Of course! (laughs) (laughs) So... First of all, I'd like to start with an objection. Uh, I was led to believe Sam Roberts would be here. Um, oh. <laughs> He's too big for this. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know about this Jim Norton character. Okay. Um, so uh, I, I suspect we'll have plenty of disagreements here. Look, guys, everything is politics. Uh, so whenever I hear people saying, like, oh, let's not make this political. What are you talking about? Really, <laughs> that doesn't make any ridiculous. sense. Politics is where we pass laws. Laws is what determines what our shared common understanding is morality is our priorities are so okay so 
originally the Republicans wanted to just give a blank check to all corporations. Well, that's politics, and I don't agree with that politics. I think we should take care of the employees as well. I understand that uh, companies are suffering. My company is suffering, uh, and I think we should have a balanced approach. So when you say we shouldn't do politics or anyone says that, what does that mean? So who wins? Okay, then great. Let's not do any politics. Uh, Let's just do exactly what my plan is. Hey, don't make it political. I already have a plan. But are there sides in a pandemic, Scotty? Well, and, and let me just say, if I'm going to be quarantined with anybody, I can't say that I would necessarily pick this group, but I am happy to be here <laughs> and talking with you guys on this. Not the ones that I would pick, but hey, you know, this brings out an interesting group together. Thank you, Politicon. Um, I agree with Chink on this. That yes, it was made political this week a lot more than last week. Last week, we were kind of getting an idea, and, and we were seeing, unfortunately, there were, there were fatalities happening. We didn't know. Now, you've got people going, but wait a minute. What is more, you know, what is more long-term deadly to us? Losing an amount of people, which is which is a horrible prospect, but losing our economy, which is going to also result in deaths down the line. And what? that is where the political issue comes in right now is going, okay, what, where is the balance of it? Unfortunately, I think the one thing we can all agree about is that D.C. is not giving us a solution on either party. And to pin this just on the Republicans giving a corporation bailout, then I go, well, then Democrats haven't done a good job either when they want to fund the arts and solar panels and put that as the priority. So across the board, yes, it's political. Um, and I don't think that and, and most of the time I like the fact Republicans and Democrats fighting each other. In this case, though, there are, every minute does count in resolve to life, both both of the human life, but as well as our economic life for the future. And D.C. is screwing it up royally every minute and and i don't see unfortunately them getting it together anytime soon you know what it is i think when people say don't make it be political they kind of mean the, the colloquial feeling of a political argument whereas it just gets boring and it gets predictable uh you know i don't think it has to be so far down the line where we either are going to save the economy or we're going to push old people into a pit you know i think there's a, a balance in between where you can kind of take care of the old people and fix the economy the problem is when people start talking about politics it's it, it is a thing like you said, to pass laws, and it's how our country is run. But it's also something that people use just to be right. You know, we always blame, ah, we're divided. It's Trump's fault. That's Obama's fault. That's our fault. We like to fight. We like to be right. We like it our way or no way, and we don't like to own up to that. That's the problem. We don't uh, like to uh, own well, up to the, how the, self-centered we are. The both sidesism is coming out fast and furious in this conversation <laughs> already. We don't have an equal fight here. We have McConnell and the Republicans and Mnuchin who came out immediately and said, let's just give multi-billion dollars to Trump to say how he's going to give it out, whatever way he wants to give it out, and we'll tell you who we gave it to in six months. That is not an equal sides problem. We don't have a problem in D.C. We have a Republican Party that has gone completely off the deep end in the way they conduct themselves, in the politics they want to run. It is not both sides have a problem. We have one party that is completely dysfunctional. Of course the Democrats said no to that. And of course what McConnell did was he proposed this on Sunday night so that the Monday papers would sit and the media, including the New York Times, including CNN, including Brian Stelter, would do the both sides this thing and say both Democrats get in the way of Corona report or both sides are fighting. That is not what happened. We have an obstructionist party that is, as usual, working for the wealthy, working for the corporations. How about working for the people? But that's not what the Republican Party is about at all. Okay, well, I that's see we're going to get very far tonight. Yeah, I was about to say, that's hilarious. I don't know what timeline you read, but that is absolutely 
incorrect because you had Chuck Schumer all along all weekend, even just hours before Sunday night, going on the Sunday morning show saying, we're close to a deal. We're working to it. And just like Nancy Pelosi did with TARP in 2008, she shows up Sunday night and realizing that I guess her beloved solar panels and her beloved slush fund for different arts organizations is not a part of the bill and totally blows the whole thing up. I agree that there needs to be oversight, but you cannot pin this just on the Republicans. This definitely yeah, has the I Democrats can. in it. I can no, and I will. Jink, um, so, let me ask you to, to give us uh, instead of so that we can get into some of the meat of the stimulus. What should be in this stimulus package? What what should have been passed? Yeah. So, look, let me take it one uh, thing at a time and I will definitely answer that question. So, first of all, uh, coming out with an outrageous proposal saying uh, there's no oversight on a five hundred billion dollar uh, fund. And Trump, when asked who's going to do the oversight, he said, oh, I'll do it. That's not oversight. That's the exact opposite and also, of oversight. And, and also refused to say that he wouldn't keep it for himself and his own businesses. Yeah, so that's preposterous. And then to turn around and say, can you believe Nancy Pelosi's holding it up? Look, I don't know that there's a person in the country who criticizes Nancy Pelosi more frequently than I do, right? But there are things that are called facts, and they are real. And so when the Republicans ask for the sky and the moon, nobody uh, blinks. When uh, Democrats say, hey, maybe we should also do infrastructure in this bill, including solar panels, people flip out. They're like, how dare they ask for solar panels? Well, we were just trying to give away trillions of dollars to our beloved Republican donors. Keep it real. That's what's happening. In terms didn't of they work it out? In there, it, it, in sorry to interrupt you. They, they, they worked it out, right? Didn't, didn't they kind of, they worked it out. They asked for a high, they got low, they worked it out. Just to act yeah. like one side is reasonable and the other side is completely unreasonable all the time is just, it's silly. No, that's not silly. No, that's not. But that's not silly. No, that's not silly. That's what we have now. You have to understand actual modern politics. We don't have two sides that are fighting in the same way, with the same background, with the same thesis. The Republicans' general thesis is that government doesn't work, and we should rely on the private market, and we should strangle government until we can downsize government until we can strangle it in a bathtub. But are they not working a little bit in the same way to some degree? I mean, the Republicans complained that Democrats Democrats were trying to put uh, what they considered to be irrelevant pieces of, of propo- irrelevant proposals into this legislation, whether it be about arts funding or solar panels, which didn't necessarily have anything have as much to do with the coronavirus uh, no, situation. No, right. But at the same time, but at the same time, Republicans tried to uh, include language about the Hyde Amendment into it. So both of them are really trying to do the same things, and, and arguably both parties. <sighs> Are on the same using the same playbook? Are so, they not? So no, uh, no, the no, both no, sides no, is no, no, your no, commitment no. to both yeah, sides yeah. is crazy. Clear. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. So first of all, I hear what you're saying, Clay, and I'm glad that you mentioned uh, the fact that the Republicans tried to use this as a way of ending abortion, which is grotesque and sick. Actually, it was uh, Nancy Pelosi accurately put it in to, Hey, maybe we should build energy infrastructure in the country, which could create jobs, which is totally related to the stimulus <laughs> bill. And, and if you think that's silly, then you, you don't know anything. That's how, that's people exactly what you're doing. People are dying. Talk to me okay. about road construction okay. on another now, day when people are dying every day. Scotty, now you want to talk about people dying? Well, you and the Trump and uh, Glenn Beck and all these guys and Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick is pushing. Oh, well, maybe we should just let some older people die. That's called a death panel. And now you yeah. guys are no, no, that's called socialism, something that you push, it. and what Italy has uh, done. kind of monsters uh, you are. Let's just be clear about that. In terms of how to get to a, a compromise, which actually they did, 
So Republicans say, uh, I want everything for corporations and nothing for the workers. Democrats say, we want things for the workers. And hey, lo and behold, because you put enough public pressure to embarrass the, the loathsome, corrupt Republicans, yes, they wind up giving something for the workers. So how does that work? Look, if you're going to have to furlough employees, and a lot of people have to furlough employees, that's super real, providing 100% unemployment uh, insurance for a short period of time or a set period of time is very logical in a crisis like this. If you give a blank check to a corporation, look, I run my company. You give me a blank check, and then that's not fair to everyone at the company. And 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 I actually give a damn. If you give it to a Boeing CEO, he's going to take most of the check for himself. He's not going to care okay. about the employees. He's going to throw it anyway. Listen, I like, don't agree. I don't agree with the bill <laughs> on it. Well, the the whole like, idea of just letting everybody talk whenever they wanted to—that was that sounded wonderful when we started. Let me let me try to focus it. Now we'll get to you, Scotty. But I want to ask Torre real quick to get in here. Are there not people who are left out of this, even in the Democrats' plan? Because the Democrats have specifically said, uh, you know, that that we're not going to give it. To corporations we want to send a check to to workers and americans however we if you, if you didn't work in 2018 or i'm sorry if you did work in 2018 and made over the threshold but then you lost your job in 2019 and haven't had a job since you're not going to qualify for this stimulus check is that not right Torrey? i mean as far as i'm reading we're talking about one to two thousand dollars with for people with two kids who live in New York or LA, that's a pat on the back. That does nothing for yeah, us. I'm not gonna disagree with you there, but but aren't there still a huge chunk of people who because they made you know, I, I was thinking I'm thinking of people who work as in this industry, TV producers in New York might make eighty thousand dollars a year. That's nothing in New York, but it it precludes them from being able to get this stimulus check at all, especially if they made it in 2018, lost their job in 2019, and have to use their 2018 taxes. So is there not an argument, Scotty, you can take this if you want to, is there not an argument that neither party was actually mm. remembering or figuring out a way to get to every person who needed, uh, needed the help? Well, exactly. And just like I don't agree with having a blanket minimum wage from L.A. to New York and everything in between, I think it's really I think it's just an, more of a PR campaign, to be honest with you, to say we're going to send a check. I think if they really wanted to do both, both help the American worker as well as help the economy continue to try to beat, I think a payroll tax, a payroll tax um, reduction would have been the better way to go this route. But I understand people right now, I agree in extending... But what about people who don't have a job? Right? That's the, you, that you, you can't payroll tax reduce if you lost well, your job. But, and that's what I'm saying. This is a blanket everybody. Whether you have a job or not, you're going to get this check. I would rather put that money in an unemployment for those that are getting unemployment. Boost there so they'll be able to live off it for a while. But I do want to point this out. I talk about the corporations. I agree. There needs to be some oversight. But we talk about it's just like it's going to the CEO's there are 145,000 employees that work for Boeing, and that's everybody from your part-time to your daily wage. Marriott, 176,000. United, 96,000. We can say these big corporations because they're big and bad, and we don't like them. And those CEOs, I hate them. However, they're, they're also the Ronald Reagan trickle-down economics also works within their companies, and that's oh where that money would oh go to God. help cover. Oh, my God. Oh, Come I said on. Ronald that, Reagan. That, 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 Let me get Jim in here, though. 
Maybe that ideology was destroyed years ago. No, it doesn't work. And we no, know that it doesn't work. It doesn't work on a macro level. It doesn't work on a micro level. Why not just give the money to the people and so they can spend it rather than give it to corporations so they can have stock buybacks and no and fire 10% because of the workers? Why, why, would we give, why would we give our tax dollars to a corporation and then have them fire 10 to 20% of their workforce? How does so that help the average back. people? They're already fired right no, now. They're all laid off. It will give them the... the ability to hire them back on what you're doing is a short-term solution what's that whole teach a man you know give a man a fish he eats for a day teach him to fish that's what you're doing you're teaching these corporations to hire the people back in until we can get over this slump and the economy gets back and breathing again a blank check doesn't teach anybody anything that's Jim, do you think there are businesses where people that. will not what, will not take the effort, make the effort? I'm sorry? <laughs> okay, yeah. Do you think there are businesses where where business owners will not make the effort to file for this stimulus? May have to lay their employees off. Maybe not big corporations. Maybe not mom and pop shops where they have uh, a relationship with their employees. But these mid sized businesses where you've got 500 or so employees. Do you think there are going to be companies where the where the owner may just say, you know what, it's too much of a headache to file for this stimulus. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to lay my people off during this crisis and and when it's all over i'll i'll hire new people but that but there's a big chunk of folks who are going to be left out because of that is there is there you'd be a pretty stupid business owner to not try to file for uh, stimulus uh money so yeah i I don't see many (laughs) of them doing that i mean they're if if they're that dumb as a business owner their business is probably not doing well for other reasons i mean no i I don't see a lot of businesses going ah we don't want the money we'd rather get rid of the people people would rather have their stores open and i think everybody would rather have stores open have businesses running and have people getting paid Right, but we're what well, we've shut those down, right? And and we a lot of states have said have put in place shelter in place or whatever you want to call it, stay at home orders. Most businesses that are not essential have been shut down. Um, how's that going to affect the economy? Let me just let me switch and ask another question that was sent in. Carla from Phoenix asked if Easter is uh, a realistic date. Probably no, not, not but, but it's no. fun to have some hope. It's clearly fun. no. They can just change it. It's I look. It's nice just to go. Hey, well, hopefully by Easter, we all know it's probably not going to be good by Easter. But I like to have a little bit of good news, you know, because you, you can't click on anything without it being. We're all going to drop dead. Half of America is going to die. Maybe Easter, maybe not. I think we all know that day's probably going to change. I mean, yeah. good Look, news I, I in and of itself partly, is interesting, but like, I, you know, because yeah, I'm scared out of my mind when I look about when I think about the future. But like, Trump is not is not just sort of dealing in reality by suggesting we're going to have some big beautiful Easter. I mean, like the churches being filled would lead to millions of Americans being dead within a month. I mean, it's a completely insane. And like, the problem is not just like giving a good good news to people there are millions of people who listen to him who actually take the things that he says seriously this is extraordinarily dangerous yeah. i was only telling you how i interpreted it i don't speak for other people that's just how i took it yeah no look I, can i i actually want to agree with jim and Ture. uh let's see if i could do uh, pull that off uh, <laughs> so i hear what jim's saying it's as dr fauci said it's aspirational right um, and, and saying, look, I'd love to get there by Easter, but we're going to have to see uh, the science behind it is the more responsible way of saying it and still have, you know, give people a little bit of hope. Uh, but, of course, unfortunately, that's not how Trump does it. They asked him, did you base it on science? What did you base the date on? And he said, it's a beautiful oh. time. It's a beautiful timeline. That's why I picked it. <laughs> oh, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Well, then you look like a clown and we don't know what we're doing. Etc. Uh, but Therese's right. Do like what I'm most worried about is people take that as meaning 
no, I'm not. Don't wait till Easter. Trump is telling me it's okay now. I'm going to go out. And now you got the all the right wing hosts telling everybody, hey, look, we got to sacrifice the the old like the like the good old Aztecs. Let's throw them into the pit and let's move on with our lives. Well, that's going to create waves of the disease, which actually sets the economy back and gets people killed. So he's got to be careful with his rhetoric, especially because he runs a cult and everything that he says, people believe they believe him over scientists and doctors, which is the height of insanity. But they actually yeah. do. They do. So he's got to be yeah, really careful. And he's the least careful guy in America. I think that's Scotty, a little, just, that's I don't think that's probably totally accurate. There might be some dopes that like him, but I, I don't think that everybody who likes Trump is just a moron who believe See, the problem with people who hate Trump. I get why people who hate Trump hate him, but people who, who hate Trump don't understand why people like him. And I think that's why he won. That's why Trump is the president, because why people they who like hated him? him so much. Did why do they like understand. him? I think that he represented something. He represented something that they felt was outside the system. And people who were tired of being scolded and told that everything they yeah. think is wrong and everything they think is inappropriate and that they're a racist because they laugh at a certain or, or whatever it is down the line. And I think he represented somebody who could at least say something stupid and not be cowed by criticism. That yeah. I mean, again, right or wrong, but I don't I don't think it's what people pinned on his supporters. They're all a bunch of white supremacists. It's just nonsense. It could have just boiled down to one issue. It could have just been, hey, they're they're pro life, they're pro life, and they'll never vote for a pro choice ca- uh, candidate. So Trump was the guy. It could have been just one issue, and that's the price we pay for having a two party system. You're going to pick A, or you're going to pick B. There's nothing in between. So Scotty, I want to give you a chance to get in though on this uh, April and and Easter situation. What are your thoughts on whether or not we're we're being responsible, or the president's being responsible, or the media's being responsible, or whoever about setting a timeline on when this might be over? Well, and it goes back to Jim's point. I mean, we elected President Obama on a very successful standard of hope and change. People want hope, especially in their sorrow moments in time of despair, which I think we can all agree in our country is facing right now time of despair. Do I think churches are going to be filled with people? Absolutely not. Um, on Easter, regardless of what the president says, as long as people are still dying, are being diagnosed as as being sick with this uh, virus, they're not going to go quickly and jump into a big crowded space or crowded room. And I guarantee that's probably not going to happen. But what it is, is trying to encourage people to don't just close up in your houses alone. Don't spit, you know, don't spend your money. Find ways to still continue to socialize safely, um, whether it be via the internet, whether it be spending your money. Don't completely just shut down because that will have horrible long-term effects both on your mental state as well as on the financial state of this country. Scotty, can I ask you how you think Ronald Reagan might have handled this differently than Trump is? <laughs> I don't even know where to start with that one. Ronald um, Reagan couldn't get elected in the modern GOP, so I'm not even sure where that <laughs> is going to go. Yeah, he did but, but, They'd run but him out generally, of town. But generally, Scotty, do you believe the president is handling this well, or do you think that there are other Republican or Democrat presidents, any other president who might have done things differently or better? Well, that's the thing. Unfortunately, this is where not having any government experience on how the bureaucracy works is hurt Trump because he thinks just if he says it, it happens. And that's not how it works. Um, unfortunately, I don't see anybody out right now. And some people might be screaming about Cuomo, how wonderful he is. Yeah, but he also didn't order ventilators two years ago and refurbish um, his supplies in New York. They've, they're all horrible at handling this. Then again, none of us expected this. For what he's doing, you look at his public, his actual public approval rating as high as it can be. And guess what? People trust him more right now than they do the media. And that speaks volumes. 
Yeah, actually, well, yeah, I, I mean, that speaks a little, but hold on, please, that's what we're here for. But that, but that <laughs> speaks to decades of G, of right wing and GOP attack on the media, which is completely oh. unfair, completely untrue, has destroyed part of the fabric of what this country is all about. So, I mean, like, you know, to compare that people are believing him more than the media when they've been told by Trump and others that the media is lying. He constantly says, but you're lying and lied? says nothing, has said Says I mean, nothing. Says nothing. I mean, like the, this, the fake news bullshit uh, meme uh, that they keep that he rant that he keeps saying over and over is complete bullshit. It's completely fake. The biggest liar is Trump over and over and over. I mean, like, it, what, it, how does he keep telling us that he was quick to bar Chinese people from coming into this country months ago because he saw that this was going to be a pandemic? He loves to say this. But then three weeks ago, he was saying it was a hoax and he did nothing but bar Chinese people from coming here to protect us from this pandemic. The core of the, the core, the core of his support, the core of what what he's doing right now is about racism and like it's about this return to white supremacy and to and to ignore that is to ignore the core of what is appeal to his supporters was all about to, to imply that the people who don't believe the press because that was I, I disbelieve the press and I despise the press long before we ever thought Trump was going to run for president. So that has nothing to do with Trump. My feelings about the press and the fact that they're editorializing and they're masking it as, as journalism and they're and they're going under the, the guise of impartial journalism when they're really editorializing and that's what they do. And if they were honest about it, I'd be okay with it. But they're not honest about it. And I've despised the media for a long time. So it's not just Trump talking to a bunch of dummies. Gee whiz, he said it. I've despised the media for a long time. Yeah. I think their bias is very obvious. And again, I don't mind bias if you're truthful about it. Andy yep. Yep. said many years ago, the media, the media is transparently liberal, and it's okay. He was liberal. No. He was insulting but the media when he said the, that. But there's oh, an entire guys, right. I got it. No, no, no. Hold on. First of all, Jim is right. People hate the media. They're right to hate the media. And Jim's also right that uh, Trump partly won because people hate the establishment and the elites. And they thought, look, I, I, I don't know how Trump's going to do, but I get a sense that this guy's going to throw a brick through their window. And that's true. And he has thrown a brick through all of our windows. Congrats. Um, and, and I can't stand the media. I think the media is ridiculously biased. But I don't agree with Jim that they're biased in a liberal direction. I think that's hilarious. Uh, I think that they're biased in an establishment direction. They love the elites. They think everyone who's rich and powerful is awesome. They hate the right wing, but they also hate the left wing. They despise the left wing. They hate the left wing and progressives way more than they hate the right wing or Trump or anyone who's anti-establishment on the right. And so that that's that's true. Now, on the other hand, if you're saying that there are no like there's not a significant group of racist Trump supporters, you're nuts. Of course there are. Sure. I don't know that they're the majority. But do they exist? Do they love when Trump says uh, the Latinos are criminals and rapists? Yeah, of course they love that. Do they love it when he bashes Muslims? Oh, my God. They, that's, that is the majority. No question. A majority of supporters love that. Let alone what he says about women, black people, et cetera, et cetera. So, and when tr does Trump lie more than the media? Yes, of course he does. He's a pathological liar. Both of those things can be true at the same time. The media can be despicable and pro-elite. And Trump could be an idiot monster as well, let alone his supporters who have lost their minds. Jim, if you can't see that they're listening to him without questioning him at all, you're not paying attention. These guys are total cold. So, so in, in, 
line with this discussion about the media and and whether Trump himself came to the table quickly enough with the sounding the alarm for coronavirus when it was in China back in January, February. You know, I hear a lot about this on most of the cable networks saying, or at least several of the cable networks saying that Donald Trump was not ahead of the curve on this. But Torre, where was the media? If this was a, if this was a tragedy that was impending upon the United States of America back in January and February, is the media not in part at fault themselves, even if it is the, the channels that are on the left? Are they not at fault a little themselves for not sounding the alarm also? I mean, Donald Trump got involved and really stepped up to the plate only because the media pressured him to. Would you agree with that? And if so, where were they in you're, February? You're, you're blaming media for not noticing before government and uh, national and global problem. I don't know. I would think that it would be government's issue, government's problem. Government's I'm not. Listen, I'm not job. here. I'm not taking any blame off of the president myself. I, I own well, my. No, I mean, that would be the beginning. Too, and like but- you know, the 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 disbandment of the office that would deal with pandemics because Obama had it. That's sort of part of where the be- the problem truly begins. And just even the notion of not believing the media. Uh, I I, don't, I would be curious to talk to Jim. Who, because he he got behind that idea tonight, um, who his media sources are, because generally people say those sort of things and they act as if Fox, Rush Limbaugh, uh, you know, Glenn Beck and these sort of people are not media. They are absolutely media. And it is consistently a right wing meme to say you can't trust the media. But this comes from, you know, Bill O'Reilly and Rush Limbaugh and these Sean Hannity sort of people as a business tool saying you can't trust others, you can only trust us. And this is not something generally that objective media, Washington Post, New York Times, CNN says. It's certainly not something that left wing media um, like, like MSNBC says you can't trust the other side. You can't trust the New York Times, you can only trust us. This is what the right wing media does as a business tool, and it worked okay. when they were insert when an insurgent come. But now, when Fox is the largest cable quote unquote news network there is, for them to continue to say you can't trust media becomes an extremely destructive uh, part of the American landscape. See, the reason, and I, this is my take on this is. The reason I, I look at Sean uh, Hannity and I look at Rush Limbaugh, I don't listen to. Uh, I, I know what, what he stands for, but I, I don't think I've ever heard his show. I know what these guys are. Fox News, very conservative uh, slant. They're nine times out of ten going to take the Republican side. They're going to take the conservative view. If I watch something on Fox, I know exactly what I'm watching and exactly the attack they're going to take and exactly the angle they're going to take. The problem with, 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 with CNN, uh, MSNBC, ABC, uh, all the other ones, is all of them are going to take the other angle. So I, uh, to me, that the reason that Fox is considered the biggest is just because anybody with those viewpoints is going to go to that one place, whereas MSNBC, CBS, ABC, NBC, they all have to fight it out with people who believe the other way. So I, I don't trust the press because I've seen the way they, they, uh, the way they edit. They've been caught editing things. They've been caught editing audio uh, at NBC. And they, they wouldn't name the person who actually chopped you know, the audio. You know, that's, you know, you know let, me stop, let me stop you. Let me stop you. Because I worked there and I know how incredibly hard everybody there. I also worked at CNN. I know how incredibly hard everyone works to make sure that things that they say are accurate and honest and how sure. deeply they care about their integrity and to just sort of throw out like, yeah, like somebody made a mistake in a report of like 20 years ago to then cast aspersions on the integrity of everybody at NBC or anybody at CNN. Like, it's absurd. I, I it's absurd. And what, what Fox... 
and what, fo- and what well, Fox how can you is- say that you don't even know what I'm talking about and you're automatically assuming that it was an innocent mistake. And I believe what you're saying about those people. But if you spoke to Hannity or if you spoke to somebody at Fox, they would say the same thing. We have integrity. We care. Everyone. But in we know those people. But we, but, but we I mean, like we we know I, we also know people who work at Fox. I mean, like sure. that is clearly performance. So art. They are not. Try, but they are not trying to be honest or accurate with what is actually going on in the world. Mm, that is performance that. art. And let it's, me come it's, it's, it's simply not true. That's do you not believe Tory that they may believe those things that they're saying? I mean, Tory, is it not possible that they believe the things they're saying? If you you've worked at CNN, you've worked at MSNBC. Most all four of us have, all five of us have been on all of these networks and know people who work at them. Is it not possible that they may believe the things that they're saying, even though to even myself and to people on the left they sound a little bit outlandish? Could they not honestly agree with those things? Do I think that Sean Hannity actually believes that he's telling us the truth? Do I think that Bill O'Reilly believed that he was actually telling us the truth? No, I don't believe that. He may have deluded himself into that through years of being that performance artist. Like, if you play a character long enough, then you believe that worldview is real. But no, that is that is performance art. And those people understand that what they're doing is lying to the audience and creating yeah. fear and telling them a story but, to but keep guys, them coming back. You're telling, you're telling yourself that. You're telling yourself that. You're telling yourself that. And the intellectual arrogance... That says I know what the truth is, and all of these people are just stupid liars and pretend. No, no, I didn't say they were stupid. No, I guys, didn't say they were stupid. Let, let me come at it from a progressive perspective because I think it's a really interesting one, uh, and I, I actually think, to some degree, now I'll flip around. I was agreeing with everybody. Now I'll disagree with everyone. Um, look, Jim, uh, there's different people on Fox News. Sean Hannity is a robot. If 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 uh, Hillary Clinton had won. Uh, the election, and she had canceled the uh, pandemic office, he would have lost his mind over it. He'd be calling for impeachment. He, he's a, a, a talking point robot and an incredible liar uh, and incredibly biased. Jake, before you go any further, I want to get Jim's. I want to get Jim's response to that first because I want to know if Jim, if you do, you agree? Do you believe that that Sean Hannity would have called Hillary Clinton out for some of the same things that he has forgiven Donald Trump for? I do, and just like I think, because again, I think they are always going to take a conservative angle because they think they're conservatives, and just like I think that Don Lemon or Anderson Cooper guys, I like watching. I enjoy those guys, but I always know that they're going to go after Trump and they're going to they're going to take up for uh, not that they wouldn't go after somebody who's liberal. But I do think that the bias is very obvious. It's just more obvious. And for some reason, people are more comfortable with mentioning the bias that they see on Fox. Yeah. That's okay, Jake, that's I, Jake, I, I want you to finish. But, I just wanted to make sure that I wanted to make. But, let's let Jake but, finish. But, let's let Jake finish because yeah. I interrupted him. But yeah. I wanted to make sure that we yeah. he, he, we stopped there because you made a point that I wanted to yeah. make sure we put an underline under. So on the other hand. Uh, I think Tucker Carlson might be honest. Uh, I, I think that it, what he says in calling it the Chinese virus is loathsome. What he how he says immigrants are dirty is loathsome. But he might act genuinely be that loathsome on those issues. On the other hand, he's great on being anti-war. Uh, he's actually now trying to hold corporations accountable, which is unprecedented in the right wing. So there's some chance that he actually believes the things that he believes, and he. Is an intellectual about it, even though I think that the the things that some of the things he says is flat out racist. Now that's okay; we can have an honest disagreement about that. But I really want to disagree with Teray and agree with Jim on how biased the rest of the media is. So, you think Anderson Cooper doesn't have a point of view? 
Of course he does. I disagree that it's a liberal point of view. No, those people love power. They were hired and promoted because they're not going to rock the boat. Their job is to have a bias in favor of the status quo. So they'll go out there and they'll tell you, look, it's a great example. Bill de Blasio is a progressive that they don't like. All of the media. MSNBC hates progressives more than anyone does. And and But Cuomo is establishment 101, and they love him. So de Blasio and Cuomo will say the same exact thing. They're like, de Blasio, clown, doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, my God, the beloved Cuomo. I think he should be president already. So if you can't see the overwhelming bias that CNN and MSNBC, and yes, definitely the New York Times, Washington Post, NPR have in favor of the establishment, mainly establishment Democrats, but also establishment Republicans, then you're being blinded to it. And in fact, Fox is now, they used to say fair and balanced, which is absurd. At least now they admit they're conservatives, which makes me feel way better. Okay, yeah, then be a conservative. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, as opposed to CNN and New York Times pretending that they're unbiased. What that does is it privileges their own position. Our position must be the correct one and everyone else is biased. Oh, screw off. That's what people can't stand. Scotty, you hop in here. I, well, I do want to hop in, having worked both at Fox and CNN and been at MSNBC, like all of you. Um, a couple things that Jim mentioned. He said he enjoys watching CNN. I think that actually is very accurate. Enjoy. At some point, we flipped from watching our news to get information to an entertainment, sort of like WWE wrestling is what we look for. <laughs> and the more entertaining, that the more it was, the more people pulled in. I blame a lot of this on the 2016, on what I call the death panels, um, where you literally clawed your way out of them during the election season, and that became entertaining, and people watched that, and that just drove them to more entertainment factors. But in that case in point, though, you look in the coverage, I'm going to bring it back to what we're dealing with in the present day, of the coronavirus, and you look at China and calling it from China and the, chi the, the Chinese virus, um, you do have this very hypocrisy where CNN and MSNBC are, are screaming at Trump for calling it that, yet there is just literally tape after tape after tape previously of them calling that as well. And yet they're calling, you know, the hypocrisy is so abundant on this case. And, and as regards to Fox, you have to understand there has been a major shift this last year with who they've put on their board and the changes going on. So you do have people like Tucker Carlson finding himself at odds with Sean Handy. But then you have Trish Reagan literally pulled off air because of what she said by the board of Fox and Kennedy. So you, there, there is a way right now that they are making sure that the voices are very uniform along the same narrative. And you have great example of this, Jim Acosta. Him and President Trump were best friends on the campaign trail. Go find it out. They both flirted with each other. They had this bromance going on in the very beginning. Then he started, the gym would start to make these little public temper tantrums, and he got all this praise. And you could just see it escalate even more. And now you have an all-out war between Jim Acosta and Donald Trump when it comes to the press. Scotty, do you think that entertainment value? I knew they were going to kill him. Please say FBI. This is Fight Night a new podcast from iHeartRadio. This is the story about two guys from opposite sides of the street. A hustler blamed for robbing the most dangerous gangsters in the country. This is like issued a, a death warrant for me for something that I don't even know anything about. And the cop who tried to save his life. They thought he had robbed the deadliest man in this country. Guys who would not hesitate to blow your head off. In 1970, Muhammad Ali triumphantly returned to the ring. At the hustlers' party that followed, gangsters from around the country were robbed of a million dollars. 
This story from Atlanta, Georgia has been reported for 50 years, but now for the first time, you're going to hear what really happened from the people who lived it. Listen and follow Fight Night on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up? I am Machine Gun Kelly, and look, I know Halloween is going to suck this year because there's no trick-or-treating and all that, but I've got a treat. There's a musical podcast that I made with my friends 24K Golden, Ian Dior, and Dana Dentata, and Satan. Well, Satan's not my friend, but Tommy Lee is, and Tommy Lee is playing Satan. But don't just take it from me. Tell him, Satan. Thanks, dude. It feels great to be playing Satan on this podcast. This Halloween, listen to Halloween in Hell on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or whatever you get your podcasts on. Soundtracks available on Spotify or wherever you stream your music. But I mean, like, everybody's got a podcast these days. But what would I know? I'm Satan, for God's sakes. Don't even get me started. Scotty, do you think that Jake has a point, though? I mean, you you seem to... uh, I'm trying to find the thread here, and if there's a commonality between what you're saying and what he's saying, that there is a a bias towards the status quo, whether it be on Fox or on MSNBC or on CNN at all. Is there an agreement there from you with him? Absolutely, and I'll say it from from supposedly coming from right of center. Uh, You put Paul Ryan on the Fox board. Um, you can't get more established than, than Paul Ryan on the Republican Party to bring it. And you've seen a change. Well, Jake, let me ask parts. you this then. Why have the why have the the I'll use the term far left, but why have have the left and the right not teamed up and united together on this one issue? Because that's something that happens in every single one of these podcast episodes we've done. There always seems to be a thread where the folks who are on the farthest on the left and the farthest on the right all are very upset with the status quo, the establishment, the elite, or whatnot. But there seems to be very little urge to unite together to fight against that because other views are so different. Why can't people get together on that one? So there's two parts of this answer. One is that um, there's if things on both sides uh, on the left is called cancel culture, but right wing has their own version of cancel culture. They have their own version of political correctness. And so if I agree with Tucker Carlson on being anti-war, there'll be a whole heap of people on the left going, how dare you? Do you know what he says about Latinos? That's it. You must agree with him on Latinos. But no, I don't. I'm a human being. I have my own opinions. And sometimes I agree with him and sometimes I don't. So at the Young Turks, we do it. We have right-wingers on. We, we have conversations with them. If they're doing BS talking points, I hate them. I kick them off. I never have them back on. If you were having an honest conversation I, with John Ziegler, I've had it a thousand times. With Steve Hilton from Fox News, who had a wonderful conversation. If you're coming at it from an honest perspective, well, then we can have that conversation. But the main point is the second one, Clay. We actually can have that from time to time, but it doesn't really matter because the mainstream media is so overwhelming and so oppressive that they never let those points of view out. Like, do you know that over 90% of the country, over 90% of Republicans and over 90% of Democrats uh, agree that corporate money corrupts politics and they want to get it out. They hate it. They think it's the heart of corruption. But New York Times will tell you, how dare you? Those are beloved politicians. You can't call them corrupt. You're all monsters. And then they never highlight that the right wing and the left wing agree. All they do is they highlight our differences. Why? Because they want to split us apart. 
and they want to have corporate rule over us. Now, Terry, before you get upset, it's not that there's like a memo at the New York Times and every random reporter at the New York Times isn't doing that as part of some cabal. It's groupthink. The groupthink is the status quo is awesome. Yeah. Everyone who's outside the status quo is a radical. And conflict is great. It sells papers. It gets your ratings. Oh, the right wing and the left wing agreeing that we're all corrupt. Ugh, ugh, that hurts my business model. Uh, it's not interesting. Forget it. So they have the largest megaphone, Clay. So at the Young Turks, we try to fight back. But we got, you know, honestly, we got rolled in this election. Uh, they, they, the mainstream media decided that Joe Biden was going to win and Bernie Sanders was going to lose. And, and they gave him hundreds of millions of dollars in free advertising, basically. And they pummeled Bernie Sanders. And, and, and actually, Scotty's right. During the, the general election, CNN loved Donald Trump. They gave him billions of dollars in free media. That helped him win. Then they turn around and decide conflict is good, and then they start bashing him. I don't mind the bashing. They're correct about that. But they should have also said that during the campaign. No, they cared about their ratings. So the, the, it's, it's the mainstream media, honestly, that is oppressing all of us with their beloved corporate status quo. And they will not get the truth out that we do agree on a lot of things. But we just can't publicize it. I also think one reason that we don't we don't have that, if I could, one reason is I think it's on us more. And the, the, the press is fairly repulsive, but we don't like to acknowledge the fact that we're arrogant and our identities are all wrapped up in being correct, where our identity is wrapped up in drawing a line in the sand and standing behind it. And everything that happens we don't even care about the emotion of it. It's just we pile it up for the next argument. Everything that happens in the news, if it's an immigrant that commits a crime, if it's a black on white crime, if it's a white on black crime, we pile it up and we use it the next time we get on a show to win the next argument. So there's so much arrogance based in being right. That's a big reason that the far left and the far right uh, don't get together because nobody wants to sit down and listen. All we want to do is watch somebody else's mouth move until it's our turn to talk. And that's an ugly quality, but that's at the base of what our problem really is. It's fun to blame Trump or to blame Obama, but that's easy and it's not accurate. It's not accurate because Trump and Obama aren't in most places where we have these talks and we still degenerate into the same thing. So I, I would prefer if people were just honest and we just owned who we are and we're all kind of selfish. And the bottom line is our identity is wrapped up in being right. And that is the base of the of the problem. That is the guts of the problem. I do think something has changed this cycle, and I, and I will put the blame on Trump on this. It used to be about ratings. That's why they did the Trump rallies. But what we've seen recently, now it's more about protecting the agenda of the network, where whether or not you agree with what President Trump, if he's saying, is lying or it's truthful, when you have the networks with this coronavirus going and having their own commentary rather than airing straightforward the press conferences that we're getting 12 million viewers daytime unprecedented. And they're saying, no, nope, we're going to go give our own commentary. We think that's more important. It shows that it's not necessarily more about being informative. It's now about, or, or even ratings. It's about protecting the agenda of whatever they're trying to push at that moment. And that's here. Uh, we, we're I seeing mean, coronavirus. I'm scared about I, future subjects. I love those press conferences. It's my favorite news show, Trump's insane daily briefings. You never know what lie he's going to tell. You never know who he's going to attack in the audience out of the media. Um, and I love watching Dr. Binks and Dr. Fauci elegantly uh, contradict him without him realizing that they've done it. So that's always fun. I mean, like, I, I watch it and I love it like a guilty pleasure, but I do understand very deeply the media's need, uh, the 
serious media's need to not show as all of it because they want to show if the president comes out, whoever he is, whether you agree or disagree with him, you do have to show him talking for a certain amount. But the lies, <laughs> the self-congratulation, this is terrible for the nation, right? His 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 open uh, dishonesty is terrible for the nation. So we would be better off as a nation with him not talking and just having the head of the CDC coming out each day and saying, here's what's really going on, rather than having to deal with his lies. Um, hey, Tori, he is the president of the United States. You do understand that. Regardless of whether you, he is the president of the United States, whether you, you like him personally or what he says, and why don't you let the people decide? Whether he's telling the truth or not, why do you no. think that no. truth is no. not for no. people no. to decide? Truth is a but truth is a but no 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 truth is a fixed thing. So it's not for each person to decide for themselves. There are certainly things that we can have opinions on and we can have disagreements on our opinions, but there are truthful things. And it's not for media to just be a window to just show the president spoke. Look at him. No, it is valuable and important for the media. On. It is no, right. it's not about opinions. It's valuable and important it? for media to say. It? This is untrue. The president said this. It? He's no. lying, and that's untrue. I mean, there, there are. But I mean, let me jump back for one second. What Chenk said about status quo is absolutely right. There is definitely a status quo bias in media. That is definitely something that happens um, in terms of the group think that absolutely happens without a doubt. The both sidesism that really also comes from left wing media because they don't want to be critiqued. They don't want to be seen as not objective. So they don't want to say this is what I believe. So they say, you know, both sides, that, that is part of the biggest problem with understanding in this country, the both sidesism, and it drives me absolutely insane. But the idea but of both no, sidesism is arrogant. It's saying, I'm standing in a morally superior position and I see the truth as it is, but no, if you're not. looking at things from both sides, no. you're not, you don't get it. No, and there's a no it's not telling the truth. No, it's not telling the truth. It's not telling the truth. It's not telling the truth. It's saying, it's saying the person crossing the street shouldn't have been crossing the street and also they got hit by a car. No, some one person did an action to another person. And no. if we don't describe actual, accurately what happened, then the people are misunderstanding the reality. So, but you're not yeah, just giving no, the facts. No, 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 no. It's not just the facts. It's no. about giving the opinion with the facts. I don't mind just the facts coming out. Guy crossed the street, got hit by a car. That's correct. But the problem is when, when the, we, the editorializing comes in to giving those facts. I don't well, have an issue with the facts. So, Jim, look, I want to change no, the subject no, real quick. I, got, I want to I change the subject something. real quick. No, 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 no. So, you, I, I, we can make this the last thing because I, I have a really important question I want to ask. <laughs> Go ahead, Jim. Okay. So, look, Jim, I, I despise their bias. So they'll say Bernie Sanders is unelectable based on nothing, based on nothing. But they state it as right. fact. And it's right. loathsome, and it's grating on every nerve I have. And so I'm sure and they it affects the, the electorate. Well. But DeRay is right that there is such a thing as truth. There either is a vaccine or there isn't a vaccine. Either a combination of drugs works or it doesn't work. Sure. It's either contagious or it's not contagious. And Trump doesn't give a damn about the truth. All, he's a showman. He's a carnival barker. So he just keeps like, oh, this is tremendous. I know about more about this than anyone else. No, you don't. You're an idiot. As much as I would absolutely love to beat the hell out of this dead horse more and more, um, I because we could talk about this forever and probably not find any agreement. I do have a question from Tara in Boulder, Colorado, and she wants to know, I'll ask you, Jim, where the hell is Joe Biden? <laughs> uh, where is oh, Joe fantastic Biden? Fantastic you know, question. I, I, he, 
I, he hasn't been. looked good. And again, he's a guy, I think he's a good man. I just think the fact that all three candidates are over 70 and he is showing it the most. I think he just doesn't look good. He doesn't sound good. And I know Trump trips on his words and I know that, but he just, Biden doesn't sound good. And for a while I'm like, is he, is he literally doing this to, to lull Trump to sleep and then to, to massacre him in a debate? And then I'm watching him talk about the coronavirus and I'm watching him answer questions. I just don't think I Jim, just don't think he's with it like he should be with it. I think he was I totally, Torrey, I totally agree with Jim. I have not agreed with any with anything you said more than that. I am so disappointed that this is where we are as a Democratic Party. That he is complete. He seems asleep. He seems like Grandpa who's happy but needs a nap. I'm con- he constantly his sentences wander off. He contra- contradicts himself within his sentences worse than John Kerry ever did. I constantly facepalm twice with Nicole Wallace. He said Trump is not a good president, and then immediately said, "I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that." What do you sorry. mean? This is what oh, yeah. we. This is why we've nominated you to say stuff like that. I thought we were supposed to have somebody who was tough and let, let rhetorically punch him in the face in the debate. Now we have this mealy mouth guy who's like, I'm nice, I'm decent, I'm nice, I'm soft, I'm decent. That's not what we were looking for. We could have had a real fighter like Elizabeth Warren. We could have had a fighter like Bernie Sanders. Right now we in could the have had a fighter corona- like Kamala in, in the middle Harris. Of a, and then of we a have pandemic, though, Torre, is it the time? Is is he making a strategic decision to not fight? Because right now, that's not what people want to see they want to see solutions i think solutions. he was making the same yeah. decision 3 weeks ago before we knew we had a gigantic problem already then we were like how come we haven't seen much of joe he seems to he's when he took the lead after the first super tuesday and it was like well but how come he barely did any media and we hear all these excuses from people who love joe he's getting over a stutter he's still sad about bo he's still sad about the people who died in his family 5 decades ago and those are tragic things and that is defined his life and i'm very sorry that those things happened to him. But I don't hear I don't hear an effective communicator in this man. He seems to be one of the weakest communicators that the Democratic Party has nominated in 30 years, and I am horrified at what might happen in this general election. That said, it sounds as if though he probably has been nominated. Jenk, does it does is it time for Democrats to get on board? Regardless, I, look, I couldn't agree with Teray more. Uh, what have we done? Uh, I I said it on election night uh, a thousand times, and I said it before that uh, in 2016. Uh, I, I said to Democrats, brace for impact, uh, because I, I thought Trump was going to win. And unfortunately, I was right. Uh, in the beginning of this process, I thought any of the Democratic candidates could beat Trump. He's deeply unpopular. Uh, but including Joe Biden. But now that I've seen Joe Biden for a year, uh, or as much as they'll let us see him, uh, I'm mm. so, so worried. I think he's the weakest candidate we have. The Democratic establishment in their infinite corruption has again picked a terrible establishment, non-fighter candidate. They made the same mm-hmm. exact mistake that they made in 2016. And I'm afraid yep. to say brace for impact. Should- How happy does this make you, Scotty, to hear this? Well, well, that no, but make no mistake, this is what the plan has been from the very beginning. The reason why we're not hearing from Joe Biden right now is we don't need to hear from him. He's already got it locked up. And that's what's very sad for the Bernie Sanders supporters. I'm real interested to see when, once again, it comes to fruition that Bernie never had a chance. I don't know if we're going to get another WikiLeaks out that's going to show that all along the Democrats were going to make sure that Bernie Sanders did not get it. Whether we're even talking about the impeachment proceedings, 
that made sure that Bernie Sanders couldn't be in Iowa and couldn't be out campaigning. Everything was set up against him to never have a chance. And it's going to be real interesting to see how the Democrats, but you're right. The more this goes, Trump's got it. But I do have to find it's going to be the, the vice president. Biden's already said he doesn't want this ticket. He doesn't want this to be his full time, you know, for the rest of his life. It's his VP candidate, which is sad. Hey, put Michelle Obama on the candidate. No, There's no, actually no, a chance no. the Democrats. Biden have. actually no, said that. Biden said, you, Warren. It can't. Biden said you. And I'm sorry, this, Biden said you. No, uh, Biden. this is important. If if the Democratic Party tries to pull some sleazy maneuver, which is incredibly possible, that they go to the convention because they all knew that uh, Biden has problems. Now, well, there's going to be a convention. Get, get rid of Sanders, and then maybe they replace him at the convention. And you know who they'd replace him with? Cuomo. Hear me now. Quote me later. And when that happens, we're going to explode. We're not going to take that. Hell no. Hell no. You don't get to just pick the guy that you want because he's going to be corrupt for on behalf of the rest of the Democratic Party. So the VP pick should be Elizabeth Warren. And if there's any issues with Biden, it should be Sanders or Warren. Period. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you Biden something. Joe Biden, said, Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Joe Biden. You should pick Joe, a candidate that, that because they, you, the vice president, you should pick someone who you may want as president. He literally alluded to the fact that he might not make it through a term, which I mean, you know, a terrible thing to say. No, that's that's absurd. Michelle Obama barely wanted Barack to run. Right. She does not want to be in politics at all. But Joe Biden would not be in this position without black people from Barack Obama to Jim Clyburn to the black voters of the South and the Midwest. And if he does not take this opportunity to reward uh, a black person, be it. Kamala Harris, be it Val Demings, be it Stacey Abrams, some black person with that job after black people elevated him to where he is now, then he has completely forgotten who put him in this position. Before we go on to our quick lightning round of viewer, of listener questions, sorry, <laughs> I'm used to having a live audience. Um, before we go on to those questions, let me just go do a real quick round, Robin. Um, we've gotten a VP pick from Scotty, you, you're calling Michelle Obama is what you think it should be. Jink, you believe that it should be uh, Elizabeth Warren? Yes, she's the only choice. J- Jim, Jim, pick a pick a VP for Vice President Biden. If I had my choice, uh, I would say uh, Tulsi. I would, I would love to see Tulsi Gabbard in. And Torrey? Uh, Kamala Harris, Stacey Abrams, somewhere in that realm. I would, lo- I would be happy with Elizabeth Warren as well. Okay. want to do a quick, um, a quick round robin. Um, real quick, short answers. I'm going to give you a question to each, each of you from a listener. Um, and uh, and want to make sure we get in uh, several listener questions from this. Um, Scotty, we'll start with you. Chris from Tacoma asks, has this crisis helped or hurt President Trump's chances? Um, it's helped. It's unified everybody. It's unified his base that were possibly uh, disenfranchised. It's helped them all to unify and say that he's a leader. Whether you agree with it or not, they're all ready to go to the polls and motivated to go to the polls in November. Okay. Jake, Sue Rue on Twitter says, do you feel the media has a responsibility to cover Trump's daily briefings or do they have a responsibility to help stop the spread of misinformation? Uh, the answer is both. Yeah, I agree with Scotty. He's the president. You have to cover what the president says. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, it, immediately thereafter, they should point yeah. out every single thing he said wrong. They should have fact checkers on it uh, ASAP, and they should tell people, tune in afterwards so we can clarify for you all the mistakes that Donald Trump made because we don't want you to die. Jim Dealey52046, beautiful name yeah. that this person has from Instagram, asks, who are we supposed to believe, Trump or the doctors <laughs> telling us to stay home? 
Well, I mean, that's a ridiculous question. I mean, you know, that's like saying, you know, who should we believe about, uh, you know, uh, Neil Armstrong <laughs> or Trump when it comes to space? I mean, you know, the doctors, obviously, that, that, that's just a person who wants to ask a question that you have to say, don't listen to Trump to. You know, who would you rather sleep with, a porn star or Trump? Uh, the porn star. Trump loses. Well, he, he chose that himself, didn't he? Um, <laughs> Torre, Carla from Phoenix asks, why does it seem like Governor Cuomo is now the leader of the Democratic Party? Because he's out every day saying intelligent things and providing a, uh, a persona that makes us feel calm and makes us feel that somebody is actually at the, at the wheel of this thing, doing the right thing. And Joe Biden is in the candidate protection program. Scott, <laughs> Scotty Iro Bazari from Instagram says, why would people support moderates for president after a moderate loss to Trump? Well, the only reason why they they wouldn't, because everybody obviously were very polarized, but why they should is you would hope it would be sort of like a, a Tulsi Gabbard, per se. They could bring in both sides and say, listen, you're not going to agree with me 100 percent, but you at least you agree with me 80 percent. I heard that once from a president before. I think it was Ronald Reagan. May I say the name again? You've, you've mentioned um, him. <laughs> Jake, I specifically did not give you that question because I knew that you might go for go for broke on it. So um. <laughs> But maybe that's what our country needs to heal after we get through, you know, Donald Trump and his wrecking ball, like Miley Cyrus destroying everything. Maybe when we're putting the country back together in order to be unified in a perfect world, um, we could have a more moderate that could see both sides. Uh, Torre, uh, I'm sorry, Jake, is China our enemy? Kathy from San Francisco. <laughs> no. Um, so, look, the world is filled with nuance. So we do trade with China and there are things that we have in conflict with China. Just painting them as the enemy is both preposterous and unhelpful, counterproductive. The enemy in what? Right. And by the way, on this topic, calling it the Chinese virus is deeply, deeply racist. My kids are Chinese. My wife is Chinese. And uh, yeah. and and already my son came home saying, hey, kids are saying that Chinese people eat bats. And that's why we have the disease. Fox News started that and it's atrocious. I'm sorry. He came home from where? How he no, came home from where? Ago. How is he not they at home with you all day? What's ago. going on? Torrey Joshua from oh, New York, okay. so not far from you, wants okay, to know: okay. Has the stock market turned the corner? Uh, no, I don't think so. Not yet. I think that the market responded upward to the deal, and as they start to see the actual details of the deal, I just saw somebody. I don't know if this is true, but I saw somebody say the twelve hundred dollars that we're going to get is going to be taxed when we start to see the economy go back down because Easter is not going to be the end of this. Then no, it's going to go back down. Okay, and final, our last question is actually for Chip Chipperson, um, Jim, if he's there at all. Uh, COVID Buster on Twitter a very current uh, handle, wants to know Chip Chipperson's take on Joe Biden over the last few weeks. He sounds great. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. Thank you, Chip. Okay. Uh, for our last segment, every week we do what we're now calling, it's changed names because so has the world. We're calling Beat the Quarantine. We're going to ask all of our guests to give us ways that they we can entertain or or enlighten ourselves maybe from a social distance uh, by recommending a project of their own and a project of someone else's. So something that's yours that you want us to check out while we're stuck inside and something that you have found uh, has entertained you or enlightened you as you've been stuck inside. I have taken all of these suggestions throughout the week and they have really been great. So you got a lot to live up to. Torre, we'll start with you. 
Oh my God, so much going on out there. Jay Electronica's album for hip-hop fans is one of the greatest things that has come out in over a decade. Dive into that. Look at Little Dicky's show Dave on FX. It is incredibly hysterical. It's like a white Atlanta. Look at Shit's Creek, which is about to come to an end. One of the most hysterical, intelligent shows on television. And if you're like me, scared out of your mind, watch Contagion, Steven Soderbergh's amazing Oof. film from about 10 years ago about a similar thing. that It won't freak you out because the real world is as freaky um and is this where we also say something of ours yes, that we're working please. on so i'm working on a six hour podcast about prince that will take you deep into his life and really understand deeply who he was talking to a lot of people who worked with him in his life from the revolution from stylists from engineers all these sort of people and you That's wrote the, you wrote early the, June. you wrote the 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 book yes. on Prince, literally, back in uh, not too many years ago, right? I Would Die For You, Yes, I wrote a book about Prince called I Would Die For You, and this... Clay, this goes so much deeper. I thought I knew almost everything about him. I learned so much about him doing this project. So I can't wait for people to hear this, What's this the podcast epic called? podcast. It's going to be called Who Was Prince? Okay, excellent. Jim, what you got? Uh, what have I been doing? Uh, basically, to pass the time, I've been sitting in my apartment eating like a fat pig... That's what I've been doing. Shoving food <laughs> in my fat face and treating the grocery stores like nightclubs. I go that's in. That's a wonderful addition. I lurk. I'm creepy. Uh, I, I've been despicable and completely unmoving since this thing started. Uh, as far as what I've been watching, uh, you know, just nonsense on Netflix. I haven't really gotten into anything new, so I really don't have anything uh, – excellent to to recommend there's a very depressing documentary on netflix the, about child abuse the uh the trial of uh, gabriel something so it's a great insight uh, into the way the system failed this kid in la it's really sad um but i, I really don't have anything great to recommend uh, unfortunately well, your show, you could recommend your, your own like show. Like I said, yeah. I don't have anything great to recommend. But if you, have, <laughs> if you have nothing else to do in the morning, Jim Norton and Sam Roberts were on SiriusXM, and they're giving it away for free for three months, the whole channel. So people who are stuck in the house with nothing to do, who might not be working, you can listen for free. And you've got your own special on Netflix also. Oh, yeah, The Degenerate Season 2 and Mouthful of Shame, uh, both on Netflix if you want to see me do stand-up. There you go. Netflix is going to run out of uh, run out of material throughout this quarantine, I think. We thought they had way too much, but I think we're all going to have a chance to get through all of it. Yeah. Scotty, what about you? Okay, well, I'm first going to say how I'm surviving. It's this great, and I'm going to say this to Chink. I agree with you that there are some great things that come out of China, including Zoom, which is how I'm surviving. Yeah. I had a yeah. 5 o'clock cocktail hour with my girlfriends yesterday. My children are learning via Zoom right now with their teachers and they're in public schools. So even public schools are utilizing it. So I think it's really been wonderful to have this technology in my home office that really our lives can continue to go on, not as conveniently, but I'm really grateful for this type of program to be developed. So Zoom, if you haven't been on there, let me know. We'll have we'll have, have a five o'clock uh, cocktail hour and we can talk while you want. Scotty's inviting um, everyone to her Zoom cocktail hour. I am. Perfect. I'm actually throwing my daughter's 12th birthday party on Saturday on Zoom because you can't have a real one. <laughs> They're all coming. So, <laughs> They're all coming. It's, all, it's really cheap, too. That's the best part. It's free. Um, I'm going to continue to promote. Uh, you can news views use. Um, it's every day at 3 and 5 p.m. Eastern. We've been covering the coronavirus. My first story was on the 24th of January when we first had the diagnosis in L.A. Um, of it landing, and we cover it every single day. And so download the Portable.TV app out of your Apple or Android store, and you can catch it for free. And guess what? No government's following you when you do that. So it's a wonderful thing. 
they might follow you other ways, but at least in this case, um, you can watch the show without having to worry about anybody with, you know, acronyms following you. Portable, portable, portable.tv. Okay. Okay. And Jake? So uh, obviously I do the Young Turks, uh, get all your news there. We do a live show six o'clock Eastern. You can check out every single day. Uh, so, uh, we do kick Trump's ass on a daily basis, but we also kick the establishment's ass on a daily basis. Can't stand democratic leadership. We're honest. Uh, we're populist. We're home of progressives. So tyt.com is our website as in the young Turks, tyt.com slash live at six o'clock Eastern. You could also catch a lot of our material, including the live show on YouTube. So youtube.com slash tyt. You've got a lot of pickup, too. You're on Pluto now, I see. Oh, yeah, You're everywhere. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we're everywhere. Pluto, Roku, Zumo, uh, Comcast, Xfinity, uh, Facebook. YouTube TV has it now, I think. What's that? YouTube TV has YouTube it now, TV, too. YouTube yeah? TV, we have a channel on there as well, Twitch. So turn on any device you have, and you'll get the Young Turks. Okay. Yes. Hey, uh, <laughs> TYT or Young Turks, seriously, in almost any device, and, and you'll get our show. Uh, and, and in terms of just my guilty pleasures while doing this, normally I actually don't get to watch TV because I'm working nonstop, but since we were quarantined, I got to watch Better Call Saul, Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh, and there's a show called uh, something like the Ottomans on Netflix. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's about how the Ottoman empire can captured Constantinople. And actually the admiral of the Ottoman Navy that did that was my ancestor. So it's pretty badass wow. getting to find out about you know, is that something you knew before is that something you knew before you started watching this yeah i knew that uh okay. but then somebody told me just actually really recently they're like dude there's a whole netflix series on your grandpa capturing by the way obviously not my actual grandfather so a long long time ago but yes <laughs> yeah, that's like, my mom's side. you look good for your age <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah there's a story about how they <laughs> conquered the unconquerable city uh which is what young turks is going to do next to washington Excellent. Well, I will, um, I will, uh, I just started watching, I feel a little bad because Jim, you talked about a a documentary on Netflix that had to do with child abuse. So now I feel like maybe Netflix just does too much on child abuse, but there is a documentary. It's a little old called Tell Me Who I Am about two twins. One lost his memory at 18. Um, and his identical twin brother filled his memory with far more positive things than what the reality was. And I'll leave it at there. It is chilling. And the documentary, you watch him finally tell his brother the truth. And it is, it's chilling. And I recommend it highly. And I also recommend that people come back next week uh, and check out this show and to, to submit your questions. We are going to still be in quarantine next week here at, um, uh, how the heck are we going to get along? But you can submit your questions, uh, online on Twitter or on Instagram at Politicon or by email podcast at Politicon. And we'll get your questions into our panel next week. This week, I don't know how next week we'll be able to top them because you guys were feisty. Um, and <laughs> excellent. Scotty Nell Hughes. Thank you so much. Jenk Uger. uh, uh, Torre and Jim Norton. Thank you guys thank so you. much. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you here next week. Bye, guys. Thanks. Thank, thank you. you. Thank Bye, you. guys. Thank you all Take so care, much. Everybody. After you listen to today's podcast, Here's one to add to your playlist. I'm Christian O'Connell, and I've had this thought for a while. 
What if you took the world's funniest and most interesting people... Hello, I'm Ricky Gervais. I'm Celeste Barber. Some people call me Beyonce. I'm Russell Brand. ...and asked them to share the stories behind their three most treasured items. No doubt about it, the guitar. I think I know the same chords now as I did when I was 14. From iHeartRadio, this is The Stuff of Legends. Add it to your playlist for free. Just search for Stuff of Legends in your podcast app. On September 17th, 2009, 24-year-old Mitrice Richardson disappeared without a trace in the woods near Malibu, California, and was never seen alive again. I'm Katherine Townsend, host of the podcast Helen Gone. We're going to try to find out what really happened to Mitrice Richardson. School of Humans and iHeartRadio present Helen Gone Season 3. Listen to Helen Gone on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.